History and Schools of Economics. The city states of Sumer developed a trade and market economy based originally on the commodity money of the shekel, which was a certain weight measure of barley. While the Babylonians and their city state neighbors later developed the earliest system of economics using a metric of various, various commodities that was fixed in a legal code. The early law codes from Sumer could be considered the first written economic formula and had many attributes still in use in the current price system today, such as codified amounts of money for business deals, interest rates, fines and money for quote unquote wrongdoing, inheritance rules, laws concerning how private property is to be taxed or divided, etc. For a summary of the laws, see Babylonian law and ancient economic thought. Economic thought dates from earlier Mesopotamian, Mesopotamian, Greek, Roman, Indian, Chinese, Persian, and Arab civilizations. Notable writers include Aristotle, Chanakya, Qin Shi Huang, Thomas Aquinas, and Ibn Khaldun, through to the 14th century. Joseph Schumpeter initially considered the late scholastics of the 14th to 17th centuries as, quote, coming nearer than any other group to being the founders of scientific economics, unquote, as to monetary interest and value theory within a natural law perspective. After discovering Ibn Khaldun's Mukkadima, however, Schumpeter later viewed Ibn Khaldun as being the closest forerunner of modern economics, as many of his economic theories were not known in Europe until relatively modern times. Two other groups later called mercantilists and physiocrats more directly influenced the subsequent development of the subject. Both groups were associated with the rise of economic nationalism and modern capitalism in Europe. Mercantilism was, a, was an economic doctrine that flourished from the 16th to 18th century in a prolific pamphlet literature, whether of merchants or statesmen. It held that a nation's wealth depended on its accumulation of gold and silver. Nations without ex access to mines could obtain gold and silver from trade only by selling goods abroad and restricting imports other than of gold and silver. The doctrine called for importing cheap raw materials to be used in manufacturing goods, which could be exported, and for state regulation to impose protective tariffs on foreign manufactured goods and prohibit manufacturing in the colonies. Physiocrats, a group of 18th century French thinkers and writers, developed the idea of the economy as a circular flow of income and output. Adam Smith described their system with, quote, all its imperfections, unquote, as, quote, perhaps the purest approximation to the truth that has yet been published, unquote, on the subject. Physiocrats believed that the only agricultural production generated, that only agricultural producti production generated a clear surplus over cost so that agricultural was the basis of all wealth. Agriculture was the basis of all wealth. Thus they opposed the mercantilist policy of promoting manufacturing and trade at the expense of agriculture, including import tariffs. Physiocrats advocated replacing administratively costly tax collections with a single tax on income of landowners.
variations on such a land tax were taken up by subsequent economists, including Henry George a century later, as a relatively non-distortionary source of tax revenue. In reaction against copious mercantilist trade regulations, the physiocrats advocated a policy of laissez-faire, which called for minimal government intervention in the economy. Classical Economics publication of Adam Smith's The Wealth of Nations in 1776 has been described as the effective birth of economics as a separate discipline. The book identified land, labor, and capital as the three factors of production and the major contributors to a nation's wealth. In Smith's view, the ideal economy is a self-regulating market system that automatically satisfies the economic needs of the populace. He described the market mechanism as an invisible hand that leads all individuals in pursuit of their own self-interests to produce the greatest benefit for society as a whole. Smith incorporated some of the physiocrats' ideas, including laissez-faire, into his own economic theories, but rejected the idea that only agriculture was productive. In his famous invisible hand analogy, Smith argued for the seemingly paradoxical notion that competitive markets tended to advance broader social interests, although driven by a narrower self-interest. The general approach that Smith helped initiate was called political economy and later classical economics. It included such notables as Thomas Malthus, David Ricardo, and John Stuart Mill, writing from about 1770 to 1870. While Adam Smith emphasized the production of income, David Ricardo focused on the distribution of income among landowners, workers, and capitalists. Ricardo saw an inherent conflict between landowners on the one hand and labor and capital on the other. He posited that the growth of population and capital, pressing against a fixed supply of land, pushes up rents and holds down wages and profits. Thomas Robert Malthus used the idea of diminishing returns to explain low living standards. Population, he argued, tended to increase geometrically, outstripping the production of food, which increased arithmetically. The force of a rapidly growing population against a limited amount of land meant diminishing returns to labor. The result, he claimed, was chronically low wages, which prevented the standard of living for most of the population from rising above subsistence level. Malthus also questioned the uh, automatic tendency of a market economy to produce full employment. He blamed unemployment upon the economy's tendency to limit its spending by saving too much, a theme that lay forgotten until John Maynard Keynes revived it in the 1930s. Coming at the end of the classical tradition, John Stuart Mill parted company with the earlier classical economists on the inevitability of a distribution of income produced by the market system. Mill pointed to a distinct difference between the market's two roles, allocation of resources and distribution of income. The market might be efficient in allocating resources, but not in distributing income, he wrote, making it necessary for society to intervene. Value theory was important in classical theory. Smith wrote that the real price of everything is the toil and trouble of acquiring it, as influenced by its scarcity. Smith maintained that with rent and profit, other costs besides wages also enter the price of a commodity. Other classical economists presented variations on Smith's term to the labor theory of value.
Classical e economics focused on this tendency of markets to move to long-run e equilibrium. Marxist economics. Marxist, later Marxian economics, descends from classical economics. It derives from the work of Karl Marx. The first volume of Marx's major work, Kapital, was published in German in 1867. In it, Marx focused on the labor theory of value and what he considered to be the exploitation of labor by capital. The labor theory of value held that the value of a thing was determined by the labor that went into its production. This contrasts with the modern understanding that the value of a thing is determined by what, by what one is willing to give up to obtain the thing. Neoclassical Economics a body of theory later termed neoclassical economics, or marginalism, formed from about 1870 to 1910. The term economics was popularized by such neoclassical economics as Alfred Marshall as a concise synonym for ec economic science, and a substitute for the earlier broader term political economy. This corresponded to the influence on the subject of mathematical methods used in the natural science. Neoclassical economics systematized supply and demand as joint determinants of price and quantity in market equilibrium, affecting both the allocation of output and the distribution of income. It dispensed with the labor theory of value inherited from classical economics in favor of a marginal utility theory of value on the demand side and more general theory of costs on the supply side. In microeconomics, neoclassical economics represents incentives and costs as playing a pervasive role in shaping decision-making. An immediate example of this is the consumer theory of individual demand, which isolates how prices, as costs, and income affect quantity demanded. In macroeconomics, it is reflected in an early and lasting neoclassical synthesis with Keynesian macroeconomics. Neoclassical economics is occasionally referred to as orthodox economics, whether by its critics or sympathizers. Modern mainstream economics builds on neoclassical economics, but with many refinements that either supplement or generalize earlier analysis, such as econometrics, game theory, an analysis of market failure and imperfect competition, and the neoclassical model of economic growth for analyzing long-run variables affecting national income. Keynesian economics. Keynesian economics derives from John Maynard Keynes, in particular his book The General Theory of Employment, Interest, and Money, which ushered in contemporary macroeconomics macro as a distinct field. The book focused on determinants of the national income in the short run when prices are relatively inflexible. Keynes attempted to explain in broad theoretical detail why high labor market unemployment might not be self-correcting due to low effective demand and why even price flexibility and monetary policy might be unavailing. Such terms as revolutionary have been applied to the book and its impact on economic analysis. Keynesian economics has two successors. Post-Keynesian economics also concentrates on macroeconomic rigidities and adjustment processes. Research on micro-foundations for their models is represented as based on real-life practices rather than simple optimizing models. It is generally associated with the University of Cambridge and the work of Joan Robinson. New Keynesian economics is also associated with the developments in the Keynesian fashion. 
With this group, researchers within this group, researchers tend to share with other economists the emphasis on models employ, employing micro foundations and optimizing behavior, but with a narrower focus on standard Keynesian themes such as price and wage rigidity. These are usually made to be endogenous features of the models, rather than simply assumed as an older Keynesian-style ones. Other schools and approaches. Other well-known schools or trends of thought referring to a particular style of economics practiced and disseminated from well-defined groups of academicians that have become known worldwide include the Aust Austrian School, Chicago School, the Freiburg School, the School of Lausanne, and the Stockholm School. Within macroeconomics, there is, in general order of their appearance in literature, classical economics, Keynesian economics, the neoclassical synthesis, post-Keynesian economics, monetarism, new classical economics, and supplied-side economics. Alternative developments include ecological economics, institutional economics, evolutionary economics, dependency theory, structuralist economics, world systems theory, thermal economics, and technocracy.